it's really basically saying that if learning experiences are better tailored to the learner, better led by the learner, and allow learners to demonstrate their mastery in ways that are authentic and paced appropriately, and that they're connected to the broader world, we believe that those are going to accelerate learning for that student and ultimately result in you know long-term outcomes, not just academically, but create these well-rounded 21st century learners that everybody's hoping to, to get towards. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. This episode is the third and final installment in a series highlighting the best practices of and lessons learned by members of the Learning Assembly, a national network of regional nonprofits that design programs to pilot personalized learning and ed tech with schools. If you missed the first two entries, check out Season 2, Episodes 60 and 62. In this series, we're hearing from members of the group about what they believe are the most important lessons they've learned in their work for districts and schools looking to pilot new programs. The Learning Assembly member I had the opportunity to interview for this podcast was Kristen Howell, Pilot Network Director of Leap Innovations. We spoke about the Leap Pilot Network, which works directly with educators and tech innovators to discover and pilot personalized learning technologies and innovative practices, and then share their research nationally to scale what works. You can learn more about them at leapinnovations.org. Eric also spoke with Jessica Kurtz, assistant principal at Talcott Fine Arts and Museum Academy in Chicago, who participated in two of LEAP's pilots. They talked about some of the key lessons LEAP and the educators they work with have learned about running a pilot, including how important it is to have a guiding framework to get the schools and teachers on board, personalized teacher PD, and a rigorous process behind getting the teachers involved in the selection of the EdTech tools to be piloted. To get some insight into this, we asked our CEO, Tom Vander, to take a deeper dive for us into how important teachers are to the pilot process and how schools can get them involved. When it comes to pilots, we occasionally run pilots just to test ed tech tools. We might do a head-to-head comparison between two adaptive math software components. But in most cases, we're really testing a broader package of personalized learning activities, and that's going to include tools and strategies. Blended learning is a combination of online and face-to-face, and that means teachers are essential to the personalized learning program. As a result, teachers need to be intimately involved in personalized learning pilots. They ought to be co-creators of the pilots that have a high level of ownership for the pilot program. They need to have the opportunity to develop the skills they'll need to successfully run the pilot. In many cases, there's a teaming strategy involved where a group of teachers, maybe a whole grade level team, uh, are helping to manage a pilot program. And inevitably, especially if this is a grade or two and and a few hundred kids, there'll need to be some adjustments. Things change, kids leave, kids come during the year, the schedule changes. And so teachers are gonna need to make adjustments, stay flexible, work as a team, and collaborate with the researchers that are helping uh, to measure the success of the pilot. So teachers are essential to the success of ed tech pilots, especially when they're all about personalized learning. Thanks, Tom. In my conversation with Leap, Kristen started out by telling me about the variety of grade levels and school models that the Leap Pilot Network serves, and I asked if there were any key themes that she thought were applicable to all schools. We see trends across schools, and we see different best practices. And a lot of those, you know, when you look at the LEAP Learning Framework, really aligned to the different core components, you know, learner-led, 
learner focused, learner demonstrated, and learner connected. And, and I think what we see is that schools latch on to those strategies that are really accelerating personalization in their classrooms. So a lot of things like, you know, having learner profiles, uh, one-on-one conferencing with students, you know, a lot around how teachers collaborate together, how schools really reconsider the use of time and space. And to Olympia's point, you know, we see a lot of trends like that. But I will say that every school really does have a very distinct model and a very personalized approach to how they're doing this work, which continues to push our thinking and to to push our ability to ensure that we're supporting schools to create and accelerate their own vision rather than provide a, a sort of prescription around it, which when you think about it is really the antithesis of personalization is if we were coming in and providing a prescription for how to personalize. So yeah, it's, it's about the ongoing, I think, partnership between LEAP and the school and having a coach that's assigned to the school and the teacher's observing lessons, being a thought partner, and and providing feedback on an ongoing basis. Interesting. Could you tell me a little bit more about the LEAP Learning Framework? Yeah, so the LEAP Learning Framework is really the anchor of everything we do at LEAP more broadly speaking, but then definitely the work that we do with schools. And it really, like I said, provides guardrails and, and anchor points to thinking about, you know, what actually, what's, what is personalization and what is not personalization? When does differentiation really move into, okay, this is actually moving into full personalization? So the, the framework itself has four core components, learner-led, learner-focused, learner-demonstrated, and learner-connected. And each of those components breaks down to elements, and elements break down to strategies, The framework itself, as we're developing it, is meant to be a tool that's really accessible to educators and innovators alike, people across the space, for parents, for community members. It's a very accessible sort of document, and then it makes sense. It's it's really basically saying that if learning experiences are better tailored to the learner, better led by the learner, and allow learners to demonstrate their mastery in ways that are authentic and paced appropriately and then they're connected to the broader world, we believe that those are going to accelerate learning for that student and ultimately result in, you know, long-term outcomes, not just academically, but create these well-rounded 21st century learners that everybody's hoping to, to get towards. Catherine went on to say the following regarding setting a focus. I think the, the most important part is uh, having a focus. And ensuring that you are, you know, setting a focus that's grounded in the context of the school, the context of what it is you're trying to solve for, and then setting a vision that aligns to that focus. With that, having grounding in anchoring in a framework, I think, has been a really valuable tool that we've seen be able to translate that focus to the vision and being helping schools to really think through the lens of our core components of learner-focused, learner-led, learner-demonstrated, and learner-connected in order to hone their pilot. Because it's so easy to just kind of get overwhelmed and not know where to start. And the framework allows for that deep pressure testing around the constructs of the framework and the strategies aligned to those constructs. I asked Jessica to tell us about her and her teachers' experiences with using a framework like this. I think the thing that was most helpful is once we had kind of built a team around a similar mindset, everyone knew that they were willing and ready, but certainly that sense of clarity from the framework was what united our team to move forward. I think the thing that we appreciated most about the framework, and I heard the same 
comments from teachers is that it's not prescriptive, it's not a formulaic approach, but it does give you some kind of guiding principles and, and shines a few lights on things that teachers probably already do, but maybe just needed a little bit more clarification or classification of that technique or that strategy and how that fits into personalized learning. So it certainly helped us get an inventory of where we were at, but also allowed for a conversation between admin and teachers to truly understand what it is that we needed to think about when developing our vision. It was really helpful as far as like from the framework standpoint and and the PD that we had from kind of the onboarding lens to have a lot of explicit and quantified pieces of information. I think the hardest thing for teachers to digest when evolving their practice is making sure that they understand it. So I think the framework and the PD allowed for us to have those measures and those increments that made it make a lot of sense. But on the counter argument, it also provides a challenge because you have to be really thoughtful and reflective and and honest with yourself of, okay, I have now these very tangible, real things. Maybe I haven't been doing them to the full fidelity I I wish I could have, but here's where my true honest starting point is and here's where I'm hoping to move. And I think LEAP has been very helpful to teachers directly, but also to us as administrators in saying that. Your pace, and your, your pace and your rate of growth is going to be very much dependent on, on your starting point. And the more honest you are with where you're landing on this framework as a teacher and where you are with your practice, the more accelerated of a path you'll be able to take. So I think they've been a great thought partner in that way. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. And today we're chatting with members of the Learning Assembly. The Learning Assembly is a network of learning innovators working alongside educators, edtech companies, and research partners to help schools pilot new technologies through research, professional development, assessment, and the sharing of evidence-based practices. To learn more about the Learning Assembly, visit their website, learningassembly.org. So Caroline, when we left off, I just heard from Kristen and Jessica about how helpful having a framework process was. It sounds like having everyone aligned around the same goal and knowing why and exactly what that goal means is crucial. Yeah, I definitely got the same impression. And did you notice that Jessica mentioned PD? Didn't that come up in your other conversations as well? It did. That actually stuck out to me too. So I asked to hear a bit more from both Kristen and Jessica on how PD fits into their process. We learned pretty quickly when we started doing pilots a couple years back that PD was absolutely imperative. It's critical. That was a quick lesson learned for us. And we've been continuing every year to deepen and strengthen the professional development we provide to support the teachers in making these, I mean, really huge shifts to their practice on taking these risks and also providing the time and space for, you know, teachers and admin to come together and plan really purposefully with the, you know, the support of LEAP and the framework around how to make this change and and how they're going to get there. The professional development, again, it's going from, you know, the couple schools we worked with in our first beta to now our fourth cohort with 32 schools. We've had to really build our repertoire of personalized strategies for our, our individual educators and our teens with, you know, their entry point into personalized learning. Jessica had this to say. So we're part of two pilots. We had an initial team in cohort three, and now we have a team in cohort four. So I kind of straddle the line there and and work with both teams. Um, And so I can give you kind of feedback at different points within the pilot. But I think the unifying takeaway is that the LEAP team and the PD really practices what they preach. They really encourage the right next steps for teachers to experience personalized learning so that when they 
take those risks in their classrooms, it's not such a risk at all because they've actually experienced it themselves. Considering that teachers are opting in to go to a PD on Saturday, the engagement needs to be high and we need to value their time and leap does a great job of that. There's a lot of scaffolding and a lot of structures that make sense for teachers to utilize that time in a collaborative way, but also from a learning lens. And with that in mind, there's also really good checkpoints with the LEAP team for metacognitive moments with the teachers where they get a chance to reflect on which personalized learning strategies work for them and what might work for their students. So I think ultimately the PD itself is the single-handedly most important factor in what makes our team successful. I think the tool and the platform is a is almost like a, a an icing on the cake or an added bonus, considering the amount of learning that our teachers get to do in their own practice beyond just an ed tech tool. The LEAP team, we're all former educators. We've all experienced, you know, our fair share of pretty bad PD or PD that's very prescriptive, it's very one size fits all. And you walk out really not adding a lot of value to your practice. You know, in, in being a personalized learning organization, having that be so core to what we do and what and are supporting our teachers to do. We need to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk, not just talk the talk. So we really put a lot of focus and a lot of time and energy into ensuring that our our sessions are designed around the learners in the room and those learners being educators and teaching, treating adult learners as if they were, you know, students that we're designing a personalized experience for. So every teacher has, you know, comes at a different starting point. Every team has a different dynamic and needs different things and being able to provide, you know, various workshops, provide teachers tools to do some deep reflection. Uh, Jessica spoke about the metacognitive piece, just as we want students to really reflect on their own learning and to own it, we need the teachers to own it. So ensuring that we're providing that, that space, that time and that structure to allow teachers to, to really drive the work. You know, I think this emphasis on personalized teacher PD makes so much sense. While it may prove a challenge for some schools or districts, I would bet that this would be another aspect of pilot design for superintendents to be including in their planning when trying to find a balance between sample size, duration, data usage, and district capabilities. Totally. But this did make me think. PD in a vacuum really doesn't make a pilot in and of itself, and it sounded, based on the earlier portion of our chat, like the selection and implementation of the EdTech tool to be piloted is no simple matter either. I asked Kristen to share a bit more about that process. So I'm glad you used the word process. It's a it's a lengthy process with multi-tiers, multi-steps to getting to that final selection by schools and then eventually the piloting. So what happens is there there's a curation process that goes on behind the scenes with the other part of the LEAP team. Companies apply. We do an all call for companies across the, the world to apply. We invite companies who have products that they think are really accelerating personalization. Then that moves to our curation panel. And we have a curation panel of experts who go through a pretty rigorous vetting process of different products, eventually landing on sort of the curated list of products At the same time, uh, schools are just starting with their PD experience. So this is in January, but the year before they're actually going to pilot. So schools are starting and three months into the process, we introduce the companies to the schools, not in person at this point. We just help schools who are already developing their pilot plans and developing their vision for their pilot to think about how EdTech might play a role in this and what types of EdTech products might they be interested in piloting the next year. 
From there, schools have an opportunity to spend some time going through the products and demoing to then select three to four that they want to meet with at match day. And so match day is really a speed dating. It's a full day of company and school meetings where companies and schools are meeting face to face for 45 minute meetings and just trying to figure out if it's going to if it's going to work out, if it's going to be a good fit, if they want to go on a, you know, a second date and eventually uh, get engaged for a pilot year. So from the uh, from match day, schools move into mini pilots. So then, uh, you know, they decide, yes, I think we want to continue dating you. They go back to their schools with some accounts. They have five accounts per teacher, per product, and they can actually use those with students. So they use the products with students. They get more information. They figure out what the product would be like in context. So again, just getting to know a little better. And then eventually, about a month after mini piloting, they make their final selection. So that's a lot. I know. <laughs> so actually, we have a sort of an ongoing analogy that we use throughout the course of PD, which is it really is just like online dating. Like you're first going through profiles, you're whittling down to ones that you think are, you know, will fit your what you're looking for. You go on an initial sort of speed date and meet with all of them in the same day, go on a couple more dates, and then eventually you decide who gets that final rose. Jessica chimed in with some of the valuable lessons she's learned about EdTech selection. Prior to joining the LEAP cohort, we had had a, a suite of just, just a few tools, and we had, in true, in true transparency, not spent too much time researching all the features and all the usability. It was really from word-of-mouth word of recommendations, so just the, the vetting process that LEAP goes through to ensure that the product is, in fact, incredibly suitable to the goals and the needs that your school has is a nice third-party lens on what could be a really critical curricular tool to, to incorporate. So coming from not being as invested in that process to then coming the full circle and, and working with a team that values that to, to a high extreme, I think was really helpful for the teachers to recognize that we may have had a lot more tools at our disposal prior to this, but we've certainly kind of taken now the quality over quantity approach. It's pretty simple to, to get a few licenses and, and sign up and register your kid, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the tool that's going to make the difference in their growth goals for academics. So I think our team recognized that that less is more and was a big takeaway. We'd much rather have one tool that, that really suits our needs than maybe access to three or four. And I would say the other takeaway that's been most helpful for us is the human component. The tool itself is great, but our teachers have been really thoughtful in utilizing the resources that the ed tech company provides. So there's usually a lot of on-site and ongoing support from the ed tech company to make sure that we're getting all the updates and accessing all the features of the tool, which is facilitated by Leap. There are certainly previews into that that you get to see during match day. And then they keep that ongoing conversation throughout your pilot so that you recognize and see that even as the ed tech companies, they're making changes and improvements. So they make sure at Leap to, to really bring schools along and ensure that we get access to those things as the feedback cycles back to the company. You know, there's so many ed tech companies at this point, and, and there's really high quality ones, and there's some that are not so high quality. So yeah, the more rigorous that districts can get in their vetting process, and the more that they can really put an emphasis, emphasis on deeply getting to know the products before rolling them out, you know, and making district-wide decisions is, is critical. So I think, you know, the piloting process and using that 
sort of mindset of, of learning quickly and then making decisions based off the data you're getting from the pilots would be really valuable for districts. You know, and I think that this is something the Learning Assembly is really focused on is how can we inform the broader field and how can we support districts, CMOs, individual schools in making better decisions and doing smarter pilots. So I would definitely check out the piloting toolkit, which will tell you a lot bit, lot more on, on the whole pilot process and give some best practice and resources around that. So Eric, it sounds like there were three key themes that really emerged from your conversation. I think so. It was really interesting to hear that their first main theme was how many benefits are associated with not just setting a clear and measurable goal, but also having a framework to guide participants' shared understanding of what that goal actually means in terms of student and organizational outcomes. Yeah, I really like that. I think the second theme was really how pivotal personalized teacher PD is. Did you hear when Kristen said that they provide three months of personalized PD and coaching before even introducing the teachers to the new ed tech? I know, super rigorous. I can totally see how that would be crucial, though, especially considering the last major theme we discussed, which was how rigorous of a process is needed to select relevant and high-quality ed tech tools to pilot. The process involves looking at a district's existing tools, honing in on choosing as few tools as possible to meet a district's or school's needs, and collaborating with the EdTech vendor to make sure that the school's needs are met. As sad as I am to see this series on pilot design come to an end, this was a great ending note, and I know a lot of schools and districts around the country are going to find this entire series really beneficial. I totally agree, and really think that in this series, the Learning Assembly gave superintendents and principals some great food for thought regarding pilot design. On that note, thanks so much to Kristen Howell of Leap Innovations, a Learning Assembly member, for speaking with us today and sharing her expertise, and to Jessica Kurtz of Talcott Fine Arts and Museum Academy in Chicago for giving us the school perspective. Thanks to Eric Day for podcast production and to Kyle Bishop for mixing. If you enjoyed today's podcast, check out Season 2, Episodes 60 and 62 for the first two entries in this series. This podcast is part of a series sponsored by The Learning Assembly, a network of nonprofits working to help schools effectively implement new technologies in personalized learning. To learn more and see their recently released pilot toolkit, be sure to visit The Learning Assembly's website at learningassembly.org. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog as well at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Caroline and Eric signing off.